again to the Strange Brew podcast. That was the Kinks. You really got me. I've got the huge pleasure of welcoming Kinks producer Shell Talmy, one of the most important producers of the 60s. Not only did he produce the Kinks, he produced the Who, David Bowie, Easy Beats, Manfred Mann, Pentangle, The Creation, and uh, we'll be hearing material from all those bands and more here today on the Strange Brew podcast. Get ready for what should be an incredible podcast. Let's hear my chat with Shell. You came over to England at what was a fantastic time as the sort of UK music scene took off, but you you came over to the UK when actually the British invasion hadn't happened. That is correct. I came over. Timing is everything. I came over ostensibly for five weeks, thinking I was going back in five weeks, and Stayed 17 years, so that's the way it worked out. You came over with some some tapes that, was it was it Beach Boys tapes that, that I heard that you kind of said that you'd worked on? No, there were two acetates that my friend Nick Finney, who was capital A&R, gave me to use to say that I did because I had, I was at that point pretty much only a recording engineer and I just started doing a couple of productions and in fact, I had a deal waiting for me back in LA when I was supposed to return in five weeks, but that never happened. Of course. Yeah, it was Dick Rowe at Decca that you um, approached. What did you did you have a sort of contact at Decca? No, I had a contact at United Artists who set me up with a contact with uh, Dick Rowe at Decca. Right. No Rogers, who was the 
running against uh, United Artists Publishing and was a friend of some friends of mine in L.A. kindly enough set up an appointment for me with Dick Rowe. When you're over here uh, producing, success rate in singles is quite incredible and, and you were linked up with the, the Bachelors and then, then got them a, a hit pretty quickly? Was, yeah, pretty much. Well, the first thing I ever did with them, yeah. It was, it was a hit. That, Gosh. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to stay because um, I really thought I was going back. Yeah. But since I had a hit and I thought I could build on it and, I, and by that time I realised as I had taken a look at what the scene was that um, the British invasion was about to pop in a you know, big way. I thought, I'm in the right place. So I stayed. You were one of the, the pivotal figures that got the, the kinks, that their deal, and, and got them into the studio. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I took them into pies is after... Uh, let me back up here. Mm. Deca, I was only ever, because I insisted on it being... I was an independent producer. I may have been the first. I'm not sure if I was or not, but... Uh, certainly up there among the top two or three in it. And when I brought in both Georgie Fame and Man for Man to Decca, and they turned them both down, I thought it was time for me to be independent. Huh. So um, uh, that's when I when I decided I really liked the kinks. I didn't even bother taking them into Decca. I took them straight to Pi. Was there a bit of a dis- disagreement with Pi in relation to the, the release of their first material? Oh, yeah. They, that's the stuff they insisted on and you, none of us wanted to do. But they insisted on it. I said, okay, what the hell? We'll give it a shot. And uh, you know, four sides that were basically useless. I mean, I mean they, they sounded good, but they were not the right material to do. Did you hear you really got me straight away and think that it, it, was, it was going to be something special? Or was it need I, to be worked on? I thought it was going to be a hit the moment I heard it. Mm. I was in no doubt it was going to be a hit. The fact that I did it the way... I did it with, I guess, a harder rock approach than was the way things were being done at the time. Certainly didn't hurt the fact that it came out and was as different as it was, plus being a great song. Was it a case of giving Ray and especially Dave Davis on guitar the, the freedom to be as loud and, and, and push the limits? Or were you kind of uh, encouraging that as well? Or was it, is it Dave? Who I was... had... Uh, as an engineer in L.A., I had spent many, many hours yeah. figuring out the best way to record guitars, drums, basses, everything. So I brought all that with me. Dave or anybody else couldn't play too loud for me to handle it because I'd, I'd covered all those basses before it came. Yeah. The fact that he played as loud as he did was great. I loved it. And Dave is, was, is a terrific guitarist. As I have said on many occasions, one of the most underrated guitarists that ever was in a band. He's extremely good to love. There's a great sort of bit of a guitar solo in, in the middle of that that kind of lifts lifts the track as well. Well, it's certainly been copied often enough, that's for sure. So. <laughs> was that the loudest band you'd heard, at, at, you know, in terms of who you'd recorded at the time? Uh, yeah, at the time they were the loudest band. They They were the most complete rock band, I think maybe is the best way to put it. They all played well, except, of course, they didn't have a, a drummer at the time. That's why I used Bobby Graham as a drummer. Mm. And uh, it was you know brilliant. So that, that helps a lot, actually, because Bobby was a terrific drummer. Mm. But they, they had the concept, and, uh, and Ray Davis was 
and obviously proved to be one of the great songwriters of all time. So it made life a lot easier. I can imagine because in, in the mid-60s, as a songwriter, I've heard that he was just churning the songs out. So did, did he just play them on acoustic to you and you'd, you'd pick some out? Yeah, or? pretty much. No, we used to meet every few days because Ray was very prolific. I mean, seriously, he could come back the next day with a dozen songs he'd written. And um, we'd sit down either he plays it on the acoustic or he did play piano also. And um, we'd go through stuff and say, yeah, okay, that that should probably wait for a while. You need to develop that a bit more. That probably is not going to happen at this point. And absolutely, let's do it with this one. I mean, one of those, those in particular, I can tell you for sure, was... Uh, Sunny afternoon. I think I heard like mm. six bars. Like, okay, cool. That's our next number one record. You know, <laughs> that was it, that was a no brainer. So uh, mm. it was a pleasure having Ray write write songs like that. He's brilliant.
singles was just about picking one of the sort of strongest songs at the time how did you go about compiling uh the, the kinks albums in that period as, as as things evolved and how much you evolved sort of shaping the album was it just a in the early days just a collection of songs and then increasingly ray would 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 have more of an influence how did that work in terms of the albums i think you're talking about the 60s now so yeah the, the way things worked in the 60s is that singles were predominant, and therefore you chose the best songs you thought could be single hits, and the ones that weren't then went on an album. So that that's pretty much how the, the thing was constructed at that time. Obviously, things changed as you know, the years went on, but that's what you're asking about if that was the method at, at that point in time. I think by about 1965, because um, you'd had You Really Got Me then All Day and All of the Night, another a brilliant riff, and then there was a sort of changing sound to, to, to some of uh, the, the kink singles, things like Tired of Waiting For You. Was that a well, sort of thing? was meant to be originally, according to the powers that be at Pi, they thought it would make a good album chart. And I did it, and I actually called Alan Freeman to come down, who was the, Alan was the head of the and I said, I, I said, you got to call this, this is the next single. I, I didn't have anything specifically in mind that something had to be the same tempo as you really got there all day long. And I, I was looking for the best songs I could find. At that point in time, started winning, to me, was obvious as a every single hit. I, I guess that must have get, given Ray some confidence as a songwriter that he could shift his sound and, and still be successful. And I guess you encouraging that must have in, enabled the band to blossom. I always try to encourage Ray. I don't think Ray actually needed much encouragement. Hmm. I think he knew how good a songwriter he was. So he and I mainly chose what should be next. You know, it, the fact that he kept writing great songs was a, a, a total pleasure from my point of view.
there was a bit of tight with the kinks in that Pete Townsend was the early Who sound was quite close to the kinks how, how were you involved in, in terms of uh, recording the Who Did, were you in, integral to, to getting them into the recording studio uh, I was asked to go see them at a, uh, a church hall where they were rehearsing and uh, again after very few first bars I said yes I will sign you and I will record you they were the best rock and roll band I heard up to that point in England. Mm. Complete you know, rock and roll, uh, uh, the fact that they all play extremely well, and they had music and all that sort of stuff. And in fact, uh, it's fairly well known that Townsend wrote, I can't explain you, as a kind of kink-type song that was going to attract me. Well, it did attract us. In fact, that first thing I did and in fact, I didn't we did anything else but hit put the hoop from, from that. And they, to, to my knowledge, they still opened their conscience today, which I can't explain. So it has had legs all these decades. I've heard the original version of that was very short and that you helped to sort of extend it a bit. Oh, yeah. The demo I heard was like a minute and five seconds, something like that. No, I extended it another minute because, and it still came out of like, I think, just over two minutes. Because that's much the most I could stretch it. So the answer to the question is yes, I have to extend it.
continue to to push the the boundaries in relation to sort of loudness and a, a key track is the Who's Anyhow Anyway Anywhere, which has got that sort of feedback. Yeah. And it must have been one of the early cases of, of, of feedback on on record. Yes, no, as far as I know, it was the earliest to get complete recording of feedback. In fact, when I sent because as I'm sure you know, the uh, label that was the primary label for the Who was uh, American Decca. And when I finished that track and sent it in as the next release after I can't explain, they wired me back and said, we think you've, uh, you've got some strange noises on here by accident and must be a defective track. So hmm. I had to... Uh, Assure them that that is the way exactly it was supposed to be, and uh, hmm. they they got it. They were very nice about it, and uh, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. So it's very fun. incredible that after such a great run of singles you know including things like substitute by the who and you, to me you can't get better than that yeah. so, that that song really and then the the who's manager kind of push you away it just seems so strange well that's a nice way to put it 
the Who's manager, Kit Lambert, was, if I could say weird, that would be a very under much, very much an understatement. Mm. He was also jealous of the fact that I was having influence on, quote unquote, his boys. And uh, that would not do as far as he was concerned. So he then breached my contract and basically said, you're not going to produce them anymore. And obviously I then sued and won handily. But the problem is I never recorded them again. Mm. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that the, the, the first court date and um, I had a wonderful barrister named Lord Hailsham. He said to his opening remark to the judge, he said, this is a case uh, between Mr. Shell Talmy and the Who. And the judge said, the Who? And I said, yes, uh, uh, the Who, I said, World Health Organization. So uh, <laughs> I figured at that point, I can't lose. <laughs> and I, but unfortunately, I, uh, I did not, I was unable to record them again. And um, so like I said, I, I never did anything with a bucket. So there you go.
You do seem to have such a great record in, in, in those years of finding talent, if you want to use the word talent, and there, there doesn't come many more talented than David Bowie, then known as David Jones. You you managed to get him right. yeah. at, at such an early age? I got him early. He was 17. I, I loved what he was doing. He was brash the way I was at that point in time. He was very smart. Uh, I thought he was very talented. We did several tracks. We were, unfortunately, about five or six years ahead of the market, but he eventually hit with Space Odyssey. He wasn't all that far off from what we were doing, you know, five years before. It's just that he was then doing what I was recording him was not apparently accessible as far as the market was concerned. So, you know, we, we made some noise, but he never really had a, a, a major hit out of it. This stuff has been, you know, has been released since then, and lots of people I have said that should have been a huge hit. Uh, you know, the various things that we did, but it's wrong. One of the, the few times I was um, I was lucky enough to have to have really good timing, generally speaking. That was one of my failures. Say. <laughs> you released, I think, his first uh, originally yeah. original song, "Take My Tip." Yeah. Um, I did other. I did one Bobby Blueland song with him. That's I pity the fool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I pity the fool, right? And uh, yeah, the others I think pretty much were his songs. When you look at his pinups album of, of you know songs that he liked from the sixties, that was recorded around seventy three. Yeah, about half the album were your songs that you'd worked on. Yeah, I think pretty much, and uh, he also he covered a couple of things I did. He did a version of. Um, Friday in my mind, which I did with the uh, Easy Beats, and you know, so yeah, he, yeah. he and I stayed friends, you know, throughout his life. I, I wish that I had been able to produce major hits with them when we first started. It wasn't to be, so but we stayed friends. We were friends uh, up until the time he died. Up and tease her, but she walks right on by. You're scared to walk beside her, cause you're playing with the spider who possesses the sky. She got the greenbacks, not on mine. You gotta act tall, think big if you wanna make a mark in her book. Gotta get ahead, get a car, fancy clothes on, she throw you right off of her hook. Here's a news you I've but one is you, back garden scene. Gotta make like a shot to be seen Something bad on your mind Take my tip, get on out Take my tip, get on out You can't give all you got to take something bad If won't you put your right up on the bed With some others in mind Take my tip, get on out Take my tip, get on Walk right up and tease her, but she walks right on by. You're scared to walk beside her, cause you're playing with the tiger who possesses the sky. She got the greenbacks, my oh my. You gotta act tall, think big, if you wanna make a mark in her book. Gotta get a hair, get a car, fancy clothes, or she'll throw you right off of her hook. 
Here's the news you are but one fish in the back of the sea. Don't make like a shark to be free. Something bad on your mind, get it off, take my tip, get it off, take my tip. You can't eat all you have to take something back before she puts you right off on the rack. Well, some others in my take my tip, get on out, take my tip, get on out, take my tip, get on out, One of the great bands of the sort of mid mid to late sixties were the Creation, and that they don't seem to get their due. Uh, yeah, I think they had one one hit over here, Painter Man, but more in in Germany. What what were your memories of working with you had, the Creation? You had, you had two hits. You had Making Time and Painter Man. Right. As I, I have said when asked about Creation, my major regret is that after. Those hits, and I made a huge deal for them in America that they then broke up and I couldn't keep them together. Uh, they would have been superstars. Everybody thinks they, so without any question, they would have been as big as The Who. And again, they were great songs and, and they were fun. They were all, all good guys. Mm. I, I was friends with all of them. Uh, they made great records. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to this day with all the records I've done with them. And uh, incidentally, that uh, several of the songs, mainly Making Time, but others as well, uh, have been used, have been licensed for use in, in commercials and films. And uh, mm-hmm. Making Time uh, just recently has, was, was used for Audi. And uh, another that tracks through my eyes is in the new Rambo film. So stuff continues to be played on a regular basis. And um, it's a shame that. Together. <laughs> it, it seems to me that um, Jimmy Page seemed to kind of em- emulate Eddie, Eddie Phillips on the guitar. I'm glad you mentioned Eddie. Eddie, in my opinion, is the absolute greatest unknown guitarist of all time. Most people don't know, still don't even know who the hell he is. Yeah. And he was, and still is still around, I'm glad to say, he is brilliant. He's one of the great innovative guitarist, and yes, he, Jimmy did kind of, I think the word is steal, the, uh, the, the violin bow on, on the guitar, mm. because, uh, because Eddie is the one who came up with it in the first place.
one of my favourite singles of all time is Friday on My Mind. It's got a, a real infectiousness about it. Can you tell me a bit about the, the Easy Beats and how you came to, to produce them? Okay, the uh, Easy Beats, obviously Australian, I'm sure you know. Yes. I uh, had success in Australia, came over to England with their then overall manager, uh, whose name was Ted Albert. Ted Albert was the son of uh, Albert Publishing, which was the oldest and most successful publishing company in uh, England. And Ted Francis himself, a producer as well. And when he came over and they had a deal with United Artists, apparently, mm. uh, and I don't know the story here, but apparently mm. what he produced was so bad, they fired him. Yeah. They fired Ted Albert, that is. And uh, consequently... The, the working manager was Mike Vaughn, then started looking for a producer and came to me. And um, I liked a lot. I liked them a lot, but didn't, but didn't hear anything that I thought was a single. So uh, what we came to was, I, you know, they, I said, go away, you know, write songs and come up once a week and, talk, you know, and play me what you've written. And that went on for about five or six weeks. Truly, and I did not hear anything. And then that last week, they played Friday in my mind. I, after about eight parts, said, that's it. That's our next, uh, we're, going, we're going in next week. So we did. <laughs> that's how it came about. Just as easy as that. And, and you didn't work with them for, for that much longer. It seems a bit strange after such success. Well, that's because Ted Albert became, of course, incredibly jealous and totally pissed off that I had a hit where he was fired. And he killed the whole thing. Gosh. And in fact, the matter is, again, unfortunately, well known, the money he owed me, he's never paid me a penny. Wow. Anyways, he died a long time ago. So you They know. didn't have really that many big hits after that over here? No, they didn't. They, looked, they had none. That's why they went back, finally went back to Australia and um, yeah. uh, started ACDC, which is, you know, brothers of a couple of them. Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me Coming Tuesday I feel better Even my own man looks good Wednesday just don't go Thursday goes too slow
mentioned Manfred Mann earlier and you got to work with them when I think Paul Jones left and, and Mike Darbo took over? Well, because this is one, so I brought Manfred Mann into Decca uh, who turned them down with Paul Jones <laughs> and so he left the band. They came back to me and with I then being totally independent and um, said, would you do them? So I said, yeah, sure. And Mike Darbo, I like Mike Darbo a lot and still do. And, um, yeah, again, I, I show songs, and we went in. The thing, the thing is that you, you haven't asked, but I will tell you is I never went into a session cold and said, uh, what are we going to do now, guys? I, I rehearsed before we went in because I, I didn't like surprises. <laughs> <laughs> so I get an arrangement going with everybody. I went in knowing about 90% of what I wanted to do, and leaving 10% in case some wonderful thing happened and we could use it. But that was my general MO. So that's just what I did with them as well. Because you recorded an album with them and, and there was a big single, Semi-Detached Suburban, Mr. James. And I think the yep. original version of that or the lyrics were Mr. Jones. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, I, I don't know why it got changed. I don't remember. The I'm sure I know there's a story, but I don't know it. I think they changed it because they didn't want it to, to look like they were singing about Paul Jones. Paul Jones, uh, that's probably true. I've never, I've never heard that interpretation, but that sounds good to me. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, we had you know like three, two, three, four hits with them, with them, and then I don't remember why I stopped recording them, but I did. Anyways, that was that.
Was it like working with Ray and the group in this period, given the, we, we talked about the shift in sound, but the range of styles on uh, songs that was coming in there? Was that oh, more no, challenging? It was, it was, it was, that was part of the whole deal, was looking ahead and trying to, and figuring out what to do next and being innovative because we were breaking new ground. I mean, what the British invasion did was present the situation for everybody to break new ground because mm. none of what we were doing was what had really gone on before. I mean, in part, obviously, because things have started somewhere, you know, like I think Big Joe Turner was one of the originators of rock and roll. Um, but, you know, by the time we got to the 60s, that had evolved also. And uh, so I uh, continued to look for, you know, ways to continue a streak of, of this, but obviously, uh, we were evolving. Ray was evolving. He started writing different songs, and uh, as you know, most people now will tell you, he was like the the voice of um, England in terms of interpreting what people in England were doing. You know, so uh, that was how I continued to approach it. Was it Waterloo Sunset the last or one of the last singles? Waterloo Sunset was the last one I did. Yeah, and was it just Ray wanting? to take complete control because I've heard that he's someone who's a bit of a control freak. Yeah, he did. He was he is, he was, he did. He wants he was always always wanted to I think he he thought he was going to produce it from the get go or maybe he I don't know if he thought that or not, but in any event, I think he always wanted to and my it, it's no mystery. My contract ran out with Ty and um uh, they chose to not to renew it and go with, with Ray because I'm sure Ray said that's what I want to do. Said, okay, that's cool. There you go. I mean, you know, after I stopped doing him, he had basically, you know, uh, one major hit, which was Lola, yeah, and uh, which he back to my my formula. Mm. And uh, Ray was extremely difficult at that time, which, by the way. Many years later, he came around and apologized for being like that. He was going through, apparently, various things which he did not tell anybody about. And he was very difficult. And I uh, just approached that, I will get through this one way or the other. And, um, you know, we, we came up with good stuff. Like, you know, I said many years later, he thanked me for the fact that we came up with some, you know, some damn good production. And um, now I, I haven't actually spoken to him in, in decades, but he's he's come around. He's a totally different guy than he was then. Feel busy 
range of styles that you recorded, not only with British Invasion bands, but uh, the Pentangle, uh, such a such a great band, with uh, such a talented band. What are your memories of, of working with Pentangle? One of my favorite bands ever to record because every one of them was individually at the top of their particular field, you know, whether instrumental or singing like Jackie McShee. They were terrific. They were a real pleasure to record and um, also it is the when i recorded them was when i we did it at ibc is uh that's when they they were one of the first uh, people in england to have an a-track available so i, I did all that stuff a-track which is great give me a lot more places to go with how to you know, do the eventual stereo and everything else so that that was made life a lot easier how much of a role did you have in, in molding their sound on one of their big singles was Light Flight? Yeah, Light Flight. That was for a TV show. Yeah. Theme song for whatever the TV show was called. It was, like, it was called Light Flight. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a big hit. And it was fun to do. It was certainly very commercial. still is. Mm. Uh, I listened to it every now and then and said, yeah, that's really good. I enjoyed that. Uh, but we did everything from medieval chants right up into modern jazz yeah and that was fun I mean I, I loved all that that was great
You're known for, certainly in that time, working for British artists predominantly, but um, you also worked with uh, Lee Hazelwood in, in the, the late 60s, and it, there's a sort of great album of his called, I think, called 40. Yes, correct. How did you get to work with Lee, given he was in the US and, and you were in London at the time? Uh, we Well, I'd, I'd met Lee before that, but Lee and I had the same attorney. Yeah. He suggested it to, to Lee, and Lee thought it was a good idea, so that's how that came about. But in fact, I, re- I did produce it in, in England, not in America. Yeah. And, and we also we had a great arranger, who was David Whitaker, who was brilliant. That really shines out, the, the, those sort of orchestral arrangements on yeah. tracks like The Night Before. It, right. it, it's a, a different, different side to you. Uh, I, what Lee wanted me to do was take the material, which was obviously different than what his usual stuff would have been. It was not necessarily country-oriented, which is what he was obviously known for. So I, I, I chose things I thought would be that he could handle. He had a great voice. I loved his deep voice. And, uh, you know, and for the most part, I think... Uh, I chose correctly. I think that's things I would have, on reflection, have not chosen. But you know, it sounded good at the time. So, uh, anyway, you know, the album is. Uh, I'm very pleased with the album. The album came out great. Um, it sounds good. Uh, again, I've listened to it fairly recently, and I'm very pleased to have heard it again. It's great. I wake up Sunday morning With my mind all in a haze Tear stains on my pillow And makeup on my face I see those empty whiskey bottles And records scattered on the floor And from the next room I hear crying That I remember the night before I saw her dancing at the party So young with laughter in her face And when the others had departed Convincing words and she stayed late And now those empty whiskey bottles They stand accusing from the floor Then I hear footsteps as she's leaving Yes, she remembers the night before If I could turn back the clock Turn it back to yesterday There are things I wouldn't do And things I wouldn't say
But now those empty whiskey bottles Within my mind forevermore And in the silence I hear crying Yes, I remember the night I don't know how many people will know this, but you, uh, before you went back over to the States, you worked with the sensational Alex Harvey band? Yes, it was in London, and um, <laughs> my story with that, because, you know, they were from the Gorbals, you know, the band yeah. in uh, Scotland, and for the first week, I needed a translator. I could not, not understand the damn <laughs> word they said. I finally tuned in enough so <laughs> I, could, I could actually get it, but... I liked them a lot. They're, again, well, that's mainly after I understood them, I really liked them a lot. <laughs> that was fun. It's been released three, four years ago, and apparently it's done quite well, I understand. He was really good, and so was the band. That we had, I enjoyed doing that stuff. It was a, you know, kind of a departure for me to do some of the stuff we did on that, but you know, I liked doing new things, so that was great. Yeah, I think it got under released about a decade ago as as at Hot City, but most of the tracks they recorded later, you know, things like Vambo, but as far as I concern, listening to the album, the sound of it is just as good, if not better, than the the stuff that they released in, in the seventies. It's very strange that it didn't come out. Well, you know, I don't yeah, I I'm very pleased with the way that the album sounded. I, I said having heard it fairly recently, I it's just um it made me feel good to hear it, and and that I uh, that I actually think I did a good job with it. So, please for it.
tree. Vembo from the future borrow. He lead the children from tomorrow. Vembo, he do Coco space. He sure not them human race. Vinaga go Sunday go. Vembo, he make a river flow. Vembo rules. Vembo rules. Okay. Vembo rules. Vembo rules. Okay. 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 Vembo rules. Okay. Vembo rules. Okay. And then uh, you decided you'd go back uh, to California. And then did you carry on with music? Or I, I know that later on, I think you, you wrote you wrote books. Yes, I've, I've written some novels. I, I went back. I actually, towards the end of my stay in England, I think it's fair to say I got bored yeah. and um, started doing less and less. And I probably should have gone back earlier than I did. But um, anyways, I know when I got back to L.A., uh, I did uh, other things. I had other pursuits to follow, you know, and I was taking care of my portfolio and all that kind of stuff. So I um, did very little music for uh, for a long time. And, um, and then, of course, we come up to the modern period where for the last several years, there hasn't been anything that I considered music. And now it's actually come back into the charts. Mm. And so I've been back in the studio doing things again, and which I'm enjoying. Yeah, there's um, quite a few bands that you've been working with over the last decade that I've seen. Uh, there was a, a, a really nice song by a band called uh, uh, Hidden Charms, Dreaming of Another Girl. Yeah, Hidden Charms was great. And it's another, I'm, I'm just an unfortunate situation that their manager, the one who also had another band, and drove off a Swedish bridge and he and that band all died. And that was a apparently enough of a traumatic event for Hidden Charms that they broke up, which is unfortunate because I think they were on the verge of becoming a very, very big band.
have you been recording bands in in recent years? Uh, before? I have. Um, I have. No, I haven't done a, a lot, but I, I, I've actually just done my my historian, who's uh, uh, Alex Blau, has a band called Strangers in a Strange Land, and uh, he played me a couple of songs that they had written. I liked them, and I offered to produce them for him, which I have. And uh, it's called uh, Broken Tambourine. And it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's, 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 it's rock and roll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think I can call it anything else. It's, yeah, it's, it's good rock and roll. With, um, and and I'm, I'm reasonably sure that, you know, back in the day, it would, I, I, could, I would have predicted it would be a hit. Now, I have no idea. Because at this point in time, I have no idea how much rock and roll is, has uh, been elevated into the buying public's ears. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the shift in the, the industry in the last 20 years and, and what goes into the charts and everything has been so dramatic that it, I, I wouldn't be able to choose what is a hit song, even at my age. Yeah. yeah and I've been doing a lot of stuff also for uh, licensing. So that's, um, I've been doing specifically for various products and that kind of thing. And, that's coming up because I've always been involved in licensing, as I think I already said, you know, the creation and uh, in particular, I had many things going on in that area. But I've had a lot of tracks that have been used for various things. So that's fun to do because it's kind of different from doing what I was doing. Oh, lovely. Thanks, thanks so much for your time. You've helped craft the music that has helped shape my life and, and millions of others. Uh, so it's a pleasure and honor. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, nice to hear, and very nice to hear kind words like that. I always appreciate it. Thanks very much. All right, take care then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can't play a broken tambourine. I'm going to show you what I mean. Fly off in all directions, so we all need protection. Hell, not need from ourselves. Truth is that you can never win. Like she's gonna change her tune So I guess that spells the end of your honeymoon Playing tricks behind your head She's printing several rows ahead Was it something that you said? You can't play a broken tambourine I think you know just what I mean Sorry, dear, about just your life The slender man told her to pull out the knife Thank your existentialist Well, I need 
for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.